is the Beyond the Studio podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Amanda Adams. And I'm Nicole Muller. And we're here to help you figure out the business of being an artist. Here we'll share honest conversations with artists, makers, and business experts and dive deep into the work that happens beyond the studio. Since this is an adult podcast hosted by two young adults, there's a possibility of some adult language being used. If this might offend ears around you, be sure to pop in your headphones before listening to this episode. All right. So today, Nicole and I will be interviewing the incredible illustrator and blogger Sarah Sarah Barnes of Brown Paper Bag. Sarah is a fellow MICA grad and Baltimorean, and I first discovered her work when I Googled myself, and I saw you had posted about my work, and I was like, this is amazing. I love this, this page. And then I just got sucked into your blog and all the wonderful art that you're sharing. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. And I actually bought one of your um, mushroom creations from Trove not that long ago for someone's birthday, and she loves it. Oh, good. That's what I want to hear. I just want to. Yeah, she's like at least one thing will like appear alive in my in my office. That's what I loved so much because living with Amanda, she has such a green thumb, and our apartment was always filled with plants, and then. When uh, her and Mike moved out and we were no longer living together, it was really lacking greenery. So I just filled it with her uh, felted plants instead, and I don't have to water them. <laughs> that is the nice. It's true. Thing, you yeah. just you know dust it off a couple times a year, and you're set. <laughs> exactly. Well, Sarah, do you want to tell us about your creative journey thus far? Sure. Um, so I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, um, and I had a pretty, I guess. typical suburban sort of art experience. Um, I didn't go to like a spectacular arts high school or anything like that, but my parents really encouraged me to pursue like painting and drawing. And I was always doing like art classes um, while I was growing up. And I went to like a pre-college, which is really popular for people that go to art school. Um, And so when it came time to pick an art school, I picked Micah because I was convinced it was going to be a painter. So I got to Micah and I did one semester of painting and I realized it wasn't for me um, that I actually really loved using my like, computer and like technology and I wanted to do something that sort of like integrated the two a little better. So I picked illustration because I'd also love reading and my mom is an English major so I read a lot of books growing up. Um, and yeah, so I graduated in 2008 with a degree in illustration, which was probably the worst time to graduate college, uh, cause it was like right at the height yeah, of the recession. Yeah, rough. Uh, yeah. So I don't look back on that very fondly. Um, and it was really hard to get a job. Um, I did some like freelance illustration, but it wasn't like enough to like make ends meet or anything like that. So I was forced to sort of get a uncreative administrative job. Um, and during that time, so about two years after I was just like, Oh, what am I doing? I don't, I don't feel like I'm going anywhere. I'm not doing anything like constructive or fun. And so I decided to kind of, I was on on the computer a lot. So I decided to like make a blog. I was reading a lot of blogs. I was looking at a lot of blogs and I kind of wanted to be a part of it. Um, And I'd always really liked um, working with computers and like doing stuff on the web when I was younger. Like my parents were early adopters of technology. So we had like AOL when it was a program when I was growing up. And so I had like a comic strip, um, like an online comic and was just on the computer a lot. So anyways, I also learned HTML when I was like in fifth grade. Very basic. Yeah. But I've always... that's, That's handy. Yeah. So... I decided that maybe I wanted to go into web design, so I decided to take a class at the University of Baltimore, and it was like a class where you like do HTML and CSS, and I loved it, but I decided that I kind of wanted to try, you know, going to like a full-time grad school, um, not like a two-year thing with like, or not, or not like mm-hmm. a part-time thing with you be like a full, full-time grad student. Um, And after I did that, like, introductory class in, like, CSS and HTML, I started Brown Paper Bag because I had sort of the skills. I created Brown Paper Bag in 2010, and at that time it was just kind of me sharing things I liked. A lot of it was, like, illustration-based, but it was also fine art. It didn't really have, like, that strong of a direction, 
but it was just me sharing a lot of things that I um, really liked online. Um, and so in 2011 was when I started grad school. I went to illustration MFA illustration practice at MICA. Um, I had known Whitney Sherman through undergrad illustration. Um, so yeah, we kind of like talked and discussed, and I knew that my kind of path in grad school was going to be kind of continuing brown paper bag in some form or like some sort of curation and writing. Um, because mm -hmm. by that point, that was like what I was getting the most like positive feedback on. Um, and what I enjoy doing, I enjoy writing and looking for things. Um, so I went through grad school in 2011 to 2013. Uh, my thesis there was actually integrating like, like illustration curating and writing and, um, working sort of on the web. So for my year-long thesis project, I created an online illustration gallery that like curated like three illustration shows, it sold illustration, and it um, sold illustration, and then I wrote about it. Um, and I created the website from scratch. I took like a couple of like coding classes while I was at MICA that helped me. Mm -hmm. um, so I was constantly like working on it and refining it. And um, yeah, so that was sort of what I did in grad school. Um, in addition to a lot of like reading and writing about illustration. Um, and so after I graduated, I decided I wanted to continue, obviously brown paper bag. Um, and so I kind of revamped it to be more illustration focused and have a more like illustration centric sort of eye. Um, the thing I liked about my grad program, one of my favorite things was that it was focusing on sort of the path that illustration is taking. So it's like evolution of, you know, illustration, like, and not just like books and not just like books and like, you know, Pixar movies, but like other forms that it can take. Um, so that is sort of how I decided to kind of revamp Brown Paper Bag. Um, and over the years since, um, I've kind of also focused on like embroidery because that's something that I kind of picked up like after grad school or maybe during but more after and something that's like really important to me and I really love. And so, yeah, but um, in addition to brown paper bag, what I mostly do is I'm a staff editor and writer for My Modern Met, which is an art and culture site. Um, so I do their, I like posts, I edit a writer's work, uh, I do their social media, and then I do like their uh, partnerships. So we partner with like sites like um, like Laughing Squid or Mental Floss, and I like handle those. Um, and then I have other various like freelance writing gigs. Uh, and then this coming semester, I'm going to be teaching a class at MICA in the illustration practice department. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so I'm preparing for that now, right now. So are you working full-time um, with my, my Modern Met? With, is that uh, like your day job? I work anywhere between like... 25 and 35 well like 30 hours maybe on the high end I would okay. say mm -hmm. yeah a week is this something you're just like doing from home or yeah mm -hmm. yeah so everyone's remote yeah. perfect yeah um yeah so that that is what I spend I, I would say like a most a lot of my day and then I'm also mm -hmm. like looking for content and writing things for brown paper bag and like I said I have a couple of other freelance gigs that I do like that are weekly so I'm like doing things for that as well and then come the semester, I'll be uh, teaching on Wednesdays. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So when you first started Brown Paper Bag, were you, uh, you said coding all this from scratch? Because uh, now there's so many platforms that help you build websites or even blogs. But at that point, um, you were really, I mean, and you're still coding it all yourself. Um, and, and also, I'm trying to think back to around 2010. Do you feel like the blogging community was even what it is? Uh, now today like how has that evolved yeah so so when I say I was like doing all the like I had like the PHP platform because I didn't want to like create the like database for like where all my blog posts would live but I did everything down to like the fonts that are used and like the spacing between like all the lines so I was very nitpicky and I still am kind of nitpicky mm -hmm. about it but yeah so I feel like the blogging community has just gotten a lot more saturated because it's a lot easier to create like a really great looking blog. Yeah, back in 2010, I mean, you have like Twitter and like a lot of social media platforms that had been around for a couple years, but I don't think they were as popular as they are now because 
not as many people had smartphones. So mm-hmm. yeah, you just like didn't get that as much. And yeah, so I just feel like it's gotten a lot more saturated, which I mean, is cool that a lot of other people, you know, can try blogging and like use it as an, a form of expression. Um, mm-hmm. But you have some blogs, like I would say like Design Sponge is a really good one that example of like she's been around since like 2004 um i think so you have these like staples i i would say that have like stayed constant over the years and you have you know not as like established blogs that are better i think it's harder to start a blog now um because you have you have just so many people that are like starting them as well yeah Mm -hmm. but i still think the blogging community is like a really amazing, you know, amazing. If you, when you find your niche, it's a really amazing thing. And you don't have to do it for like, you know, to get like a ton of like eyes on your page. You just getting it for like, you know, your small community can be, you know, that can be the goal too. So do you think that the aims of Brown Paper Bag have also evolved over the years from being something that is more of a, a, a personal collection of work that inspires you or that you're interested in um, to now that you have uh, such a greater following? Um, do you think that has changed the the nature of the blog at all? Um, you know, I try to sort of, I every time I, every piece or like piece, but like every artist or project I feature, I try to personally find some sort of connection to it. Um, so in that way, it's always going to be really personal to me. And I, I look at brown paper bags being very niche. Um, and I'm, I came to terms with that as like a real, like a long time ago. And that's perfectly fine with me. Like I'm, I'm glad it's niche and it's more about like sort of my eye and like, I want it to feel personal. Um, even though I'm not sharing like a lot of personal things about me. How are you kind of balancing your time between creating visual work and writing? Do you have a preference or it's just catering to two different aspects of your creativity? Yeah. Um, so yeah, a long time ago, um, when I was entering grad school, I realized that I think my talent and what I'm more successful at is like writing and curating. Mm -hmm. So I'm one of those people where I'm like, Oh, you know, work smarter, not harder. Do things that you are already good at that you can you can get better at and so the writing and all that stuff was always what sort of like helped me stand apart rather than like my visual work Um, so that's what I kind of chosen to pursue over the years and then I do have like you know I am I'm doing like a year-long embroidery project and things like that so I don't put as much pressure on that like on that practice and I'm kind of happier that way because I just I get a lot of joy just from creating art that I'm not like looking to make like a ton of money off of it or like that to be like be my one sole sustainer so I use it as like a place to find like joy and things like that but you know I have gotten commissions and like that's really great when that happens but it's not that's more of like oh that's a really great thing that happened but to me, like the writing aspect and stuff like that is what I push more because I just, I know that's a better use of my time. Yeah. So that I, I definitely spend more time out of my day, uh, like writing and like looking for ways to improve like SEO and things like that rather than like mm-hmm. stopping and like embroidering. I usually save that for like later in the day or in like the evenings or on the weekends. I don't know if this is exactly the same, but I've definitely found times where I've like put so much pressure to make money on my creative work that it takes the joy out of creating the work. And I have to take a step back and be like, okay, I make this because I want to, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to put so much pressure on it that I stop enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. I get that because I think that when I was first starting out in like illustration, yeah, there was a lot of pressure to like create things. I'm also very goal, a very goal oriented person. So I'm just like, okay, I'm going to create this because I think this is what people want to see. And with the writing, especially, I I just can feel a little more removed from it um, because that was something that I, like I've always enjoyed writing, like going through school. I've always enjoyed that aspect, but it wasn't like, I didn't go through school necessarily thinking like, I'm going to do like a freelance, you know, I'm going to be like a freelance writer when I grow up or anything like that. 
So it was just something yeah. that kind of like ha- evolved naturally. And I just don't feel like it doesn't feel as precious to me because like, you know, creating art is something I've done like my whole life, whereas yeah. the writing is not. And so I kind of like that sort of separation um, because it helps me. I've, I'm able to be more critical of it and I'm, people are able to be critical of it to me. And it's just it doesn't it doesn't strike me as hard as like, you know, somebody like yeah. tearing my art apart would. It's it's yeah. it's a little helpful like mentally it's better for me. Yeah. Yeah, that is a fair point. <laughs> and it's yeah. also like I like learning new things and so a lot of times I'm like, you know, I'm reading a lot of stuff, I'm learning new things and that aspect I really like too. Or I like I like internet sleuthing, so I get to like do some of that and it's just it it just fits my personality. Yeah. How are you typically finding the work that you are sharing? Uh, a lot of it is through like Instagram, I would say. Instagram and Behance mm-hmm. are sort of like my two go-tos. Yeah, I would say like it, it's really in- a lot of Instagram. I, I That's like one platform I really, really love. Um, that yeah. and Pinterest. So I, a long time ago, I was like, I can't do everything. I can't be on like Google Plus and like, you know, Facebook and Twitter mm-hmm. and Tumblr and all that stuff. So I gave up a few of them. Now I mostly focus on Instagram and Pinterest partially because like I enjoy using them a lot. The other aspect is like these are the things that like really drive traffic to my site and like I have a really good following. So again, like working smarter, not harder. I'm like, I'm not going to try as hard on like Tumblr, which like I enjoy Tumblr, but it's just like not as worth it to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard that before too, just picking your platforms and deciding you know, what you're going to do and doing that really well, as opposed to just trying to be everywhere all at once. Um, so I think there's, there's, yeah. And that has actually helped me a lot too. When I kind of, after I got out of the grad school and I like revamped brown paper bag a bit, um, choosing just to focus on illustration and making it more niche and less like general mm. art and stuff like that, that actually helped a lot. And I've even like narrowed it down even farther on like brown paper bag, I have like days of the week. I'm like, okay, so like this day, I'm gonna find content that relates to this, and then like Tuesdays is something yeah. different, and Wednesdays. So uh, I try to make it like really, you know, really narrow. Yeah. Um, but still feel a little like loose and like encapsulate like a larger scope of, of aside from like illustration and craft. It doesn't have to feel as like narrow, but. When I'm looking for things, I try to focus on these like aspects because there's so much work out there that having these parameters helps me helps me like not feel so overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah and I'm sure it helps too with um, just building an audience and people finding you based on the things that they're interested mm-hmm. in too. Um, do you feel like that has just built up organically over time, or do you feel like there was a point where um, you really just saw your reach expanding? Maybe when you decided to get a little more niche and focus on particular themes or types of work um, or just how have you been kind of building up that um, following over the years? Yeah. So um, the last like two years I've done like pretty, like I would say every month I like analyze, I've started really looking at data. I kind of, I didn't ignore it before, but it just wasn't like a priority to me. So the last couple of years I've started really looking at data over like what posts are doing well and um, where a lot of my traffic is coming from. And so I narrow, I like realized that like, oh, like most of a majority of my traffic is coming from Pinterest. I should really focus on pinning things on Pinterest that will do well. Mm. And then I noticed that like one or two pins in particular from that like blew up and they were both like embroidery, embroidery related. Um, and at that time I was like, kind of, I've always kind of done embroidery Um a lot of it was like embroidery on paper and collage, but yeah, around grad school, I just started to do straight up embroidery. Um, so I was already interested in it. And then I saw that it was like doing really well. I'm like, oh, I should, you know, try to find some more embroidery that sort of like resonates with me. And so I, I make a point like to find like embroidery pieces because those do well, you know, those do well. And I want to like build a following, but I want it to feel authentic. So I was going into things that I already liked, um, but just mm-hmm. using data of like what was really, you know, what was driving people to my site and sort of like mixing that in with, you know, my other interests, which are like, you know, illustration and things like that. 
So are these analytics that are built into your site or are there tools that you're using to? So I was using Google Analytics. I still use that. Um, and then I use something on Pinterest. Pinterest is a Pinterest schedule called Tailwind. It's like $120 a year for the, and you have to buy, you pretty much have to buy it by the pro version. Um, but that gives you really deep analytics of like what pins are doing well, what kind of traffic you're getting like week to week. Um, and so I find that very helpful. Um, but I would say like Google Analytics, you know, that's free. You know, that's what I originally started looking at. Mm -hmm. uh, and then like even if like Facebook has like Facebook analytics that you can kind of see like what Facebook hosts got like good engagement and things like that. So a lot of these things already have tools built in, um, mm -hmm. but you can get like a little deeper if you're willing to like, you know, pay for like the pro version of something. And I would say it's like worth it if you use the tool a lot. Some of them are like crazy expensive. Tailwind is not that expensive. And I would say yeah. it's totally worth it because it will automatically optimize your pins that you're wanting to pin at like the time. It'll like analyze your profile and see like, oh, a lot of people are pinning at this time. You should send out pins that go here. So automating oh, it for sweet. you. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Man, I know when I first uh, was able to use analytics through Instagram because that's where like most of my traffic comes mm -hmm. from. I like I saw it. And I was like, oh, apparently everyone likes when they see my face, which is not something that I ever <laughs> post. So I guess I got to do more of that. Yeah, it's kind of surprising. Um, it's also can be really disheartening where because I know there's been things where I'm like, oh, I really liked what I wrote. Or I really liked that interview. And it's like, you know, it got like decent traffic, but it's not like it's more of like a passion project that like for that. Yeah, that aspect of like, it's not what you know, paying the bill. It's not what's keeping the lights on. But mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. Yep, it definitely is. Yeah. So are there ways that you've been able to monetize the blog as well? What kinds of ways yeah. are you bringing in, um, income through that? Yeah, so I do a, like almost exclusively affiliate marketing, uh, affiliate like links. So if you like Etsy has affiliate, I mean, basically, a lot of big sites have like affiliate programs. So if you like, click on a link and it has like my tracking code, I will get money from that. So that's mm -hmm. also another reason why I really push Pinterest is because I was noticing so much of my traffic was coming from there. And like this one pin that I had like a couple years ago, it did super well on Pinterest and it was an Etsy link. So people were like clicking on the pin and then like going to Etsy and like buying things. They don't even have to buy something that's off, you know, off that person's shop, they can buy anything on Etsy and it will save like the cookie and you'll get money off that. So like that paid my rent one oh, month. Wow. And okay. so oh, nice. I'm just like, oh, this is, that's also another thing, you know, using that to like, like I saw like the potential of affiliate sales that, so I like also focus a lot on that. How are you finding these or are, God, I know nothing about how affiliate links work. So mm -hmm. This question may not even make sense, but um, how are you finding the people or brands or sites to have these with, or are they seeking you out? Uh, so there are like a ton of um, like sites, like uh, Affiliate Window. It's called oh, it's called Awin. So that's who does Etsy, but all these like affiliate like what are they called? Like groups? They're not like groups really, but like they're companies that have all these like merchants. So like affiliate window or Awin has like, you know, Etsy, Firebox, Happy Socks, which is like a illustrated like sock brand and underwear brand. And so they're all sort of the under the same umbrella. So you like apply for these like programs, like let's say I wanted to, you know, I wanted to make money off Etsy links, I would sign up for Awin and then apply for Etsy, the Etsy program. And so like the publisher, so Etsy has to approve you but they basically just look at your site and make sure it's like in line with kind of what they sell and their aesthetic and things like that. Um, and then a lot of places I use WordPress. So WordPress has like plugins for all of these. So it's basically just like putting oh, on a plugin easy. on your WordPress site and then it automatically converts the links. So like you don't even have to do anything special. You just put the link in like normal. And then when somebody clicks on it, it automatically like adds a tracking code. Oh, wow. But like whenever yeah. you see those like BuzzFeed articles, there's like, this is what, you know, Amazon users are buying right now. That's all affiliates. 
So it really behooves you to like make these lists and stuff like that because you know you can if you have a lot of you know uh, people reading your site and like they want to buy stuff then you can make a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, what's like the average um, amount if you don't mind sharing, or does it vary based on the vendors like that you'd be getting? It varies. Yeah, so it varies based on the time of year. Okay. Um, So like the fourth quarter when people are buying like gifts. Mm-hmm. For thing like for the holidays, holidays yeah, mm-hmm. you're gonna make more money that way. But okay, yeah, I mean, it's not like I mean, I would say like most of my income from comes from writing like freelance, you know, doing like my monument, like other freelance mm-hmm. work. Um, but it's like a nice little like pad and stuff like that. Yeah, and so what's the threshold? Like, how many followers did you have when you started doing this kind of affiliate marketing, or do you feel like someone who's kind of interested in this might need to make it worth their while? Um, or would you say that anyone should just be? And I think anyone should really do it. I mean, it's really easy to set up. Mm-hmm. I would say the more, because there are payment thresholds. So you use a lot of ones you have to like make at least like $25 a month for them to like pay you for that month. Um, mm. So, I mean, it could be if you have like a smaller following, it could be like a couple months or something, you know, depending on how many people are like buying things from your like affiliate links could be like a couple months before you get paid but but I would say like it's just it's so easy like you should just do it a lot of times they'll automatically put it in your account so you know it's like you could see you know like 25 bucks if if you're like smaller it'll just automatically come into your account it's passive income it's like you don't have to do yeah anything. nice little boost yeah so I mean yeah I just listened to a podcast at side hustle school uh, have you ever heard oh, of yeah. somebody makes like like a thousand dollars over a thousand dollars a month just like pinning pins, like just oh. repinning pins. So it's and that's like through like affiliate marketing. Well, damn! Why is my day job in food service? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's definitely like you have to hustle and like it's definitely mm. a lot of work. Like just like look, you just have to do a lot of clicking. That's really what it is. Hmm. And sometimes that gets exhausting. Like I try to, on Saturdays, I try not to be on my computer that much. Yeah. So just time-wise, how are you balancing all of these things? Do you feel like you're in a pretty good rhythm with your various freelance projects? Um, You know, do you have like pretty consistent clients so you can anticipate that? Or does it really vary for you from month to month? What kinds Uh, of... No, I mean, because I work for My Modern Met on a really consistent basis that has helped... I'm a really good saver, so I grew up like my dad was an accountant, so I've always like been very um, try to be very savvy about my savings. Mm, um, that's great. So it's like can be pretty. It's like I have on months where it's inconsistent, like I'm okay. Like I have like a a buffer. So yeah, that's great to hear. I was just curious if you have a rule of thumb that you follow in terms of savings, like for every project that comes in, you're putting away 10% of it before it even hits your account or like any strategies like that, that your dad imparted on you or that you use today. The only thing like about, not really about saving so much, I more I more or less learned that from like reading stuff on the internet about like the, you know, 10%. And I don't even really do that all the time. For me, it's like mostly the importance of taxes. That is what he really imparted on me. Mm. Um, uh, and he also does my taxes every year. So Oh, that's great. Nice. <laughs> it's like really actually very handy. Um, so that I feel like I'm in a pretty good position. As much as it hurts to take off like whatever, you know, 40% of like whatever I'm getting paid on something to put it in like a separate account that's only going to go towards taxes. I -hmm. do that because that can really land you in a lot of trouble if you don't do that um, right away for me at least. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest challenges I feel like for anyone that's working freelance or is self-employed, just having to account for all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, That self-employment tax definitely should be underestimated. No, absolutely Um, not. I mean, I feel like this last year, especially, um, I saw like so many sad posts on April like fifteenth or like it was April seventeenth. Yeah, it's about, awful. Like, just how much I got hit so money. hard with taxes this year. Yeah, um, I still got I like because I do estimated tax payments and so and but I still had to pay mm-hmm. like a lot more money than I. I mean, I had it set aside, which was good um, because you can really yeah. 
really hurt yourself if you don't, if you're not like conscientious about like saving for taxes. I would yeah, say absolutely. The most. Um, that's like the biggest wisdom he imparted on me. But there are things like yeah. I did like an album cover for Iron and Wine. Um, so that money like just went into like my savings account. So like if I do like yeah. unexpected projects like that, that just goes through my savings. And then like mm-hmm. I like live with my fiance. And so that's also helps like keep my like overhead lower because mm-hmm. I'm like splitting things with, with somebody. So I also like yeah. can't discount like how like much that helps to have like, yeah just keeping expenses low and exactly yeah did you say your studio is also out of your apartment do you work uh, if you do have freelance projects yeah uh yeah it's like right down right next to me basically but yeah I have like my own like we live in like a two-bedroom and I have my own like studio so it has like my computer desk and my like art desk that mostly just has like books pile on it right now because a lot of like every time I'm embroidering I'm usually watching tv down like in our like living room yep I know, I'm yeah, looking at Amanda's setup that's my right setup. now. <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> I'm currently where I usually work, even though I have a studio space. It's also in the apartment, and I share it with my husband, who's a super minimalist musician. So he has just tiny desk, his speakers, and his guitars on the wall, and mine is just like felt everywhere, yeah. books everywhere, random shit in all possible places. Hey, you should just pitch it to him like you're writing that hard off on your taxes too so the more that you work in the living room yeah. the more of your apartment you get to write off your yeah. taxes yeah this is just a studio that I happen to reside in I re- really tried to get like my gym membership a right as a write-off but apparently that I like was trying to do that uh, oh. one year apparently I'm gym membership when I'm fit yeah, I was like, it's a part of like my well. What if you go to the gym with another illustrator and you guys are talking about work while oh, you're yeah. at the gym? Can that be tax right off? Oh, maybe. Yeah, actually, that's a really good idea. If you're like mostly discussing like you know business related <laughs> things, yeah, because you can do that with dinner. You just need a gym buddy that's a coworker. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But yeah, yeah. How to how to do that? I don't know. I'm still riding, I was going to say, I'm still riding the train of, uh, when I worked at Apple, they have a, like, fitness stipend that they'll give you. Oh, cool. And I was able to use it to buy a two-year membership at the gym. Oh. Even though I already left, but I paid in advance, so it was, like, significantly cheaper. I also haven't used the gym since I left Apple, so it's really not doing me any favors. I, that is, like, um, because you're talking about, like, work hours, so... I am, like, really obsessed with my gym that, like, basically, like, food, like, food and, like, my spin gym are, like, my splurges. Um, mm-hmm. And the spin gym, like, helps me, like, focus and, like, you know, my, like, self-care. It's a really big part of my self-care. But anyways, mm-hmm. I take, like, spin classes, like, at least four or five times a week. And so a couple wow. of them are, like, at least two of them are, like, on the weeknights and, like, so by, you know, by 5 o'clock, I have to be, like, out of my apartment because I have to go to my 5.30 spin class. Um, so that is, like, a good way to, like, stop working because by the time I get back from class, it's, like, way too late to, like, really do a lot. So to me, that's, like, a yeah. good way to, like, kind of stop working for the day. Yeah, to build in that routine so that you're not just overworking yourself. Yeah, and the gym is good because if you don't, if you don't cancel the membership, before 7 p.m. the night before you get charged $15 so you have to like you have to show up you gotta show up yeah so you were really held accountable which I need yeah oh that's great I just uh agreed tomorrow to work out with an old co-worker and I was like I'm gonna say yes to this even though I I am tired and I don't really feel like getting up early and going to go work out in the park but like if I go and I have someone to hold me to it, it's going to happen. But There's um, a podcast called Happier, and it's about, like, mm-hmm. strategies you can use in your everyday life to be happier. And one of them mm-hmm. is you take this test about, like, what kind of, like, person you are. And there's, like, people called obligers, which I'm totally an obliger. And so I need out- outside accountability um, yeah. because I'm able to talk myself out of doing, like, anything. Um, but having yeah. that sort of like, as you know, the gym is an example, because 
there's like some sort of accountability built in, like I don't want to have to pay $15, then I, I will do it. And like having things scheduled. So I, I realized that about myself. So I try to schedule things like as much as possible. Otherwise, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's harder, it's hard, much harder for me to get them done. So I like it when people yeah. give me deadlines. If you give me like a deadline of get this done next week, then it's so much harder for me. I need it like, you know, you need to get this done by such and such date yeah. at such time. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. And is also relatable. Like I've been working on my website for oh, way too long, but because there's no strict deadline with it, we're the um, friend that's helping me with it is like, oh, yeah, you know, whenever we're free, I'm like, that doesn't work for me. I can't do yeah. it. That means I'll never get you the information you need. Yeah, it's, yeah, I am, that is, that's me. And it took me a really long time to figure out, like, that is, that's just how I am. But once I feel like mm. once you know that that's sort of your, you know, that's your MO, then, like, you can do things that help, like, help you achieve goals. So it's so helpful to take the time to learn your personality mm-hmm. and your, your strengths and weaknesses and yeah. kind of what you need to hold yourself accountable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's like, for me, that has made all the difference. Um, just like focusing on things you're already good at or like learning your limits and like using them in a, in a way that's like constructive and not making you feel bad. Cause I would feel really bad. Like when I don't turn, like I don't finish something I told myself I would do, but now I realize like, Oh, the reason I do that is because like I'm a people pleaser and I need, <laughs> I need somebody to like be on me to do something. So like a lot of times yeah. I'll, you know, if I want like something really want something done, that's like a personal project. I've, might ask like my fiance to like hold me accountable and like check something or you know look at it in some way that I can't like get out of it really easily yeah so that's a good suggestion like for people that have trouble holding themselves accountable especially if it's a kind of self-contained goal Mm -hmm. like just bringing someone else in to check up on you yeah yeah I think it makes good sense. Yeah, I agree with that because I think it can be really hard too when you're um, doing work for yourself or if you don't have, say, a client necessarily or um, it's a meeting or, you know, someone else who's setting those deadlines um, just to create them for yourself is one thing. And um, I've heard that just by writing it down or inputting something into a calendar, you're already more likely to do it. Mm-hmm. But even that can be hard to stick to, I think, when oh, yeah. um, you don't have people who are kind of looking over your shoulder and checking up on you. So I love the idea of even just bringing in, uh, you know, friends or your partner or someone else who can help keep you accountable um, just to help keep you on track with those things. Um, yeah. It's tough to stick to a schedule um, amongst lots of other obligations. And it sounds like you've achieved a pretty good balance up to this point, just of having a steady flow of projects and different freelance gigs. Um, Do you feel like there are any other big goals or projects that you're working towards or that you're trying to schedule out for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I would eventually like to, like, write a book or or something like that. That's probably, like, a big goal for me. That is something I'm, like, trying to, you know, make happen and, like, working towards. Um, I don't want to, like, jinx it or anything. <laughs> um, but that, that was probably my next big thing that I want to do is, like, writing a book. Yeah, and then I actually want to revisit my grad school project where I was, like, Uh, created like an online gallery I still think it's like a good idea um and I think that probably within the next like couple years I'll probably try and do something again like that um because I did really enjoy it it's just um after school and like trying to find you know stuff to you know paying jobs and things like that then it was it kind of got on the back burner And then I kind of like, you know, revamped brown paper bag after I graduated. um, And that took up a lot of, you know, a lot of time and like energy. So that's, I would kind of want to revisit that. That's something I've been thinking about uh, recently. Because I, last, earlier in the year, I gave like a, I was like a guest critic. And then I gave a talk where I basically, you know, I went through kind of like my thesis project. And I was like, oh, this was actually like a cool project. And I did really enjoy it. I should kind of get, go back and revisit that. Um, so I'm looking yeah. at it in a whole new way. Yeah, that sounds great. I wanted to ask too, if you had had 
um, any instances where either projects came about or any other opportunities arose, um, maybe like for speaking engagements or um, I don't know, just anything that um, happened as a result of just building up this network um, through your blog and sharing other artists' work. Because um, I really admire artists that do that, who make it really part of their mission to share and promote um, other artists' work and, you know, kind of help lift each other up in that way. And so I think that the the premise of your blog is so great because it introduces, um, you know, it, it allows you a place to gather work that inspires you, but it really helps to introduce all of your followers and your audience to um, other artists' work that they might not have otherwise seen. Uh, so I'm just curious if that um, kind of just stays on the interweb or if there's ever been an instance where um, you've either had a chance to, you know, be involved with the project or met up in person or anything that's came about because of it. Yeah, I mean, I've made friends from like the blog, definitely. Um, mm -hmm. And like people that have contacted me and we've met up in real life, I would say well, early when I first started doing the blog, I met up with somebody that lived in like London or like Scotland at the time. And we met up like randomly in New York. And it was like, really fun and so I do enjoy sort of those connections making those connections uh, mm -hmm. I'm a huge introvert so that it's like terrifying but I'm always really happy when it when it happens um but in terms of like projects and things like that not not particularly nothing like that comes to mind right away but I do enjoy like meeting up with people in real life I went to icon which is like the illust illustration conference um it happens every two years so I went there last sure. year and it was like kind of weird, uh, but cool because, you know, I have like a, I have a decent following on my Instagram. And by that time I did, I still have, it was getting bigger and bigger. Um, and at the conference, I had my little like self portrait, cut paper self portrait that I use as my avatar and people would recognize it and would come up to me and like, they're like, oh yeah, I look, I follow you on Instagram. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's so good. You're like a mini celebrity. Yeah, it was like, that was what one of my friends said. And I was like, I don't think so. But I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of weird, but cool. Um, that's when I was like, oh, I'm with like, I'm with my people. Like, I feel, you know, connected to these, like, these people, you know, or like all the, yeah. like, all the people there. So it was fun. I've only ever had one time where someone's actually like, recognized me out in the world. <laughs> It was perfect, though, because I was with my mom, and she was like, wow, what are you, famous or something? I was like, yeah, we're going to go with that. We're, <laughs> we're just going to go with that. Yeah. She's probably so impressed. <laughs> yeah, she was like, wow, look at you. You're famous. I was like, no, I mean, Baltimore's small. It's, like, really small. How did no, they, you just got to roll with it. Did they see you from, like, your Instagram? Uh, she did recognize me from Instagram, because I... I was with my mom in Whole Foods. It was like the day before my wedding and we were picking out flowers for to make the bouquets yeah. and this girl walked up and she was like, Hey, I like are you Amanda Adams like close call studio? And I was like, Oh my god, what's going on? That is crazy. What's happening? That that's and, totally nuts. Yeah, and my mom was so pumped and I was like, I don't I don't know how this happened, but I'm <laughs> really pleased. I would, that is like the internet at its best because I think ideally it serves to connect us and, uh, you know, we have all these social networks, but a lot of times I think we're more more disconnected than anything. So I really love hearing about when that kind of um, internet connection leads to a real life one. It's nice. I just want people to like remember me from having met me before so if somebody can recognize me without having met me, I'm like, this is great. I have so much less work I have to do. Jeez. One time. <laughs> that, yeah, I, I would, even if I recognize someone, I mean, I'm just like, I'm shy. And so that would, I would probably mm -hmm. not go up and say anything. Yeah. No, I would just be like, yo, that person's famous. Yeah, I would be like, oh, I, I would, if I were with someone, I'd be like, oh, I recognize that person. And mm -hmm. that's the end of it for me I'm, I'm just too like I'm I'm an introvert um do you have any recommendations for artists that want to get their work featured on blogs like are you mostly finding people or are you getting a ton of submissions um I do get submissions I 
I'm very bad at email and I apologize to like anybody that has ever sent me like a submission, but they, as soon as I, cause I get very overwhelmed by email. Um, I recently did kind of reorganize my inbox by using, cause I use Gmail. I use priority inbox. So now things are a little better, but I still get really overwhelmed by just email in general. So all of the submissions go to like a submission folder. Um, and I'll look at them sometimes, but I don't look at those as often as like somebody, a lot of people will tag me in Instagram photos, which is actually, I would say that's actually a really good way for me to see your work because it pops up whenever okay. I get on Instagram. And I don't know, a lot of the ways I find people is through other people. So mm-hmm. I would say that really, and this just goes in general as like, find like the community or you know the artistic community that you want to be a part of and participate in it and like make meaningful connections because like I said I will look and see what like other like artists that I like who they're looking at or who they're friends with Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I feel like that kind of like you know if I like what they're making then I'm gonna probably like the artists that they're following So that's a lot of times what I'll do is I will find like, you know, on Instagram, I'll look through like the people that, you know, that they're commenting on and or, you know, that are they're friends with or they're following things like that and just like go through in that way. Um, And then I also use like, you know, the Instagram suggestions of like when you click on the little like arrow next to their name and it shows you like other accounts that are similar. I'll look at that. Um, I'll go on Behance and I'll see like, like, let's say I was like looking for like, you know, another like a crafter, I would go to like, you know, somebody's profile that I really like that was making like this certain type of craft. And then I would see like what kind of work they're appreciating. Um, And for me, that's like the way that's the way I like to find new work, honestly. Um, But the way you do that is like you make kind of you make friends on the internet. And you just like, like you build like I said, you build these connections. Um, so that's how I, Mm -hmm. that's a lot of ways I find people as well. Yeah. I would say though, if you're on Instagram and you share, like, uh, if you tag me in a picture that that honestly, I'm always going to look at that because a lot of times things get misattributed to me. Like I created the work. So anytime somebody tags me, I look to make sure it's not like an illustration they said I did. And then if they do, I like comment and I was like, Mm. yeah, this is a great piece of work, but I actually didn't do it. Uh, here's the person yeah. that did. So that's like another reason I'm checking that. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I mean, it, it makes sense if people are finding work on your site, they'll sometimes just assume it's coming directly. I, and from I get you. like a lot of emails like that too. A lot of things like, oh, you're selling these, like, you know, like I did a post about like painted leather jackets once, and they're like, where can I buy a leather jacket? And I, it's, you know, I didn't, I didn't do it. And I've also gotten like. Google that? Yeah, like work, you know, people that want to work with me because they think I'm someone else. And I'm always like, this is not, I am not that person. I mean, yeah, sure. I wish I was because I want money. But like, I, I. (laughs) You're just like, I'll do it. (laughs) But yeah, so. Warning, not as pictured, but, you know. I'm, I always, and I'm like, am I unclear? Am I, like, not saying that this is by a certain person? Like, are these people not reading? But. I think that's the case. I think a lot of people. People aren't reading. I feel like that is the case a lot of the times, is that people just don't fully read it. I think that kind of goes back to um, what you were saying, Sarah, just about finding your niche with the kind of work that you're sharing. But I think it works the other way, too, is uh, the easiest way to just you know, have a message get ignored is to make it so that it seems like you just didn't do any sort of research or looking into that person. And it is kind of off-putting because I think, you know, you read that kind of stuff and you're just like, well, clearly they didn't even bother to look at my website or even, you know, see what I do. And so I think that's an easy way to... Yeah, I mean, just like... Doing your research is a big part of it. Even just, like, getting the name right. Because I get, like, submissions where it's like, oh, you clearly meant this for someone else. Because uh, it's, oh, like, the no. name of somebody else that's, like, dear so-and-so. Um, and to oh. me, I won't even respond to that. I'm just like, you should have known better. I don't know. I just get really yeah, annoyed per- by that. Perfreed. So, yeah. I mean, um, a lot of, like etiquette and like ways to use social media um that I think is helpful is this like this woman named Megan O'Toole and she does like 
she actually focuses on a lot of like social media for small businesses. Um, oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. And like artists and things like that. Um, so helping people like helping um, makers kind of reach their goals for like newsletters is a big thing for her. Like, you know, if you're pushing out your new products via like newsletter, how do you create like newsletters that are people are going to read things like that. Um, but that's actually where I learned about things like Tailwind, the like Google Analytics, like worksheets and stuff like that. So I actually find her very helpful and I still get her newsletter. Like I think she comes out like weekly or something like that. And so that's, and I, that's also kind of where I get like some etiquette tips as well. Cause she's like really up on like trends and like changing like platforms and like what's going on with them and like how to use them effectively. Oh, that's great. Thanks for sharing that uh, because we can also include a link um, to that on the blog post that goes out with each podcast episode. So are there any other tools or places that you turn to for either small business advice or um, just any resources? Uh, Because you've mentioned a few as we've been talking, but is there anything that we've left out? Um, That tailwind is a big thing, I think, for Pinterest. Megan O'Toole is like really great if you're wanting to like even I mean like I look at it because I find it helpful her like updates about like certain platforms. Another question that we like to ask is just if you've had any advice that's been given to you that's been really pivotal throughout your career Um, and then also what kind of advice might you give either to your younger self something you really wish you would have known or just to other Um, artists who are looking at what you're doing and are really inspired um, just about you know things that you wish that they might know or take away um I think the one piece of advice that I heard like a lot in undergrad it was like and this is like so cliche and people say it all the time it's like make the work that you want to make and like people will come to you or people will respond to it because I do think that that has that's I try to keep that in mind with everything I do, especially in terms of like brown paper bag, because that to me, that is like the best expression of sort of like my curatorial eye, like my writing style. So I use that as like a portfolio almost. A long time ago, I just decided to like focus on finding like the best content I could rather than like trying to make like a ton of posts a day about, you know, different artists. Instead, I've just decided to like slow down and focus and make write things and share things that were really resonating with me and that I felt really helped me. And that has, that help has helped me get work. Um, You know, I know people that, I get a lot of um, like jobs I get, not a lot, but like I've gotten jobs consistently that they're now consistent clients that I get through, um, like they saw my like LinkedIn um, or they like saw brown paper bag and like saw like what my uh, my curatorial eye is um and so and just staying oh, true to yourself great. and making things like you want to make people will eventually respond to it and I don't know I think for my younger self when I was going into undergrad I was like I'm going to be a painter like I always saw myself as like this artist type in like a studio like doing I used to do these like giant oil paintings um mm-hmm. And I wish I would have let myself um, explore a little more, Um, especially like when I was younger. I mean, I did some like computer stuff in like, you know, fifth grade. But then when I got to like middle school and high school, I kind of like wasn't really interested in that. And I just decided that I was going to be like an artist and that's all I focused on. But I wish I would have kind of like let myself play a little more um, and like try out a little more things um, because... I've gone back to doing stuff on the web that I did like such a long time ago. So I wish I would realize how cyclical it's kind of, you know, life can be in that way. Um, and the things that I really like to do when I was like 10 or 11, I still really like. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if that's happened to you, but it has. I, and other artists I've heard talk talk about how they've like, returned to things that they did when they were younger yeah yeah it really has and another thing that I think is 
is really great and, and interesting about the internet or you know having a platform or, or a blog like you do is that it really becomes this record of everything and you know similar to maybe a sketchbook or a journal or diary or whatever it's really this catalog of all of these things that have inspired you over time so I'm sure that that's really that helps keep those things top of mind and you know you can always go back and and maybe even see like how your tastes have changed or mm-hmm. the kind of work that you were looking at say um, three or four years ago compared to now and so I've begun to value that more too and you know similar to how we hang on to photographs or mementos of things that remind us of the past I feel like that's really important when it comes to your work too because that is definitely true where I think that it is all really cyclical whether it's like you know ma- materials like things you're working with or just ideas or themes um, can you know be percolating for years sometimes um, and so I've seen that happen with other artists too um, and it it has kind of struck me and I think that I need to be better about um, just sort of recording things that I might not think are that important but that are really interesting and kind of keeping track of that so that I can, um, you know, I have something to return to. Yeah, and in the first year of grad school, we have like, it's called like an image harvesting. So you kind of go back and you um, like look at things that you kind of like, self-edit and you kind of create new work based on things that you had created before um so you're like trying to look at a new way and kind of repurpose it in some way that's like new and kind of exciting and meaningful um so it's like working within your own body of work to create something something new and using that as like the parameters for it so yeah and then I also I remember like of the best example I have of like cyclical things is like artist Martha Rich who does these like She's really well known for like her text paintings now, um, but she, you know, went through. She was started creating those when she was younger, um, and then she went through and had like other another career, and before finally going back to art school when she was like an, an adult, um, and then she started creating these like text paintings again. So like she just kind of returned to them, and that's like what she's really well known for now is like creating these like integrating like text into her illustrations. Um, so I don't think that you should discount the things you did when you were younger. You can like kind of use it as a way to like figure out where you want to go. I know I definitely, when I was younger, was doing more illustrative types of work. And then once I got to school, I was like, oh, I think I want to be a photo major now. So I'm going to go do that. And I have like recently started getting back into taking pictures, but it's really for the most part just for myself. Mm-hmm. And so that now is my like, just, you know, personal practice as far as art making goes. But I definitely did a lot more, more stuff related to what I'm doing now when I was younger. I think that probably rings true to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the things that you're interested in, we definitely develop and change interests as we get older. But I feel like those things that are sort of ingrained into our identity. Yeah you'll always go back to. Yeah, I mean, I was really into, like, the internet when I was, you know, eight to ten years old. Like, I was really, I really, really enjoyed, like, meeting people on, like, you know, online or whatever. Not, like, in person, but, like, in chat rooms and stuff. And, like, talking to random (laughs) people on the internet, um, which seems really, like, I would never do that now. But, you know, I think that it kind of makes sense why I'm you know, why I, like, do what I do now is because, like, that was mm-hmm. a really early experience and one that I look at very fondly. Do you remember your old usernames? Mm. Or, like, <laughs> OG email addresses? The first one was, um, I was really into soccer, so we play a lot of Ooh. soccer. Uh, so it was, like, SB Soccer 85 because I was born in 1985. It was a Hotmail address. <laughs> Um, oh, that's not too bad. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember my AOL because they did have like a we had like AOL account, Your AIM account. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I it was always actually like S Barnsey, which is like my Skype is uh, that is like pretty high school. I or early college. Um, <laughs> it's just like I've used a Skype name for so long that it's it's not going anywhere. Yeah, that I would say yeah, S Barnsey because that's what people called me like Barnsey. Back and like I did also cross country, so oh, that's where they cute. called me in cross country. So yeah, but I don't know. I used a lot of like really bad like emo songs for like my aim away messages and stuff. 
It's like really oh, embarrassing yes. to think about, <laughs> but that's okay. Yep, yep. We've all been no, there. I, I remember those days. You would constantly give way too much information as to why you were not at the computer at that moment mm-hmm. where it's like brb gonna go brush my teeth and it's like i think be right back suffice <laughs> but you know yeah i was listening to a song the other day and i was like oh man i used to use part of these song lyrics as my aim away message and my mom looked at that i thought she was like really worried about me <laughs> why is my daughter so moody? yeah aside from the fact that she's a teenager yeah oh yeah God, I can't remember any of them. I feel like I probably used a lot of, like, dashboard confessional lyrics. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've been talking a lot about Brown Paper Bag, but what are some of the other channels that people can find um, your work at? Obviously on Instagram and also Facebook. Yeah. Uh, and My Modern uh, Net. Pinterest, that's another one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say the ones I focus on most are Pinterest, Facebook, and Instagram, and then I'm also on Twitter. But I don't, I've, in the last few years, I haven't been using, I've still put out content every day or, you know, every time I write a new post, but it's not my focus. I'm trying to like, I just don't, that's another time suck for me. Um, so I don't, I try not to get on that as much. But yeah, so that's basically, I would say those are like the best places. And then I have a weekly newsletter that I write, send out on Saturdays, which is a lot of fun. So, oh, great. Yeah. And is that something people can sign up for on your website? It is, yeah. So it's um, it's generally, yeah. So there's like a link at the top and then a link on the sidebar. Um, and it's all, it's four to six kind of illustration-centric links, illustration creativity-centric links. And then I listen to a lot of podcasts. So it's a lot of times like a podcast recommendation. I will usually make like a recommendation. Oh, great. Of like something I'm like, man. I'd sign up just for that. <laughs> so if you like true like, crime, I love true crime to? podcasts and TV shows. So a lot of times they're good, about that. Um, but yeah, and then I have like illustrations, you know, just like a few illustrations and then some illustrative products. So that's the basic gist of it. It doesn't take, it's pretty like digestible and like brief, but it's a lot of fun to do. I've started, I've done it for the past maybe year or so. But yeah, because I, I do love newsletters as like a, a way to deliver like new content. Um, I think that newsletters mm-hmm. have had like a real resurgence over the past like mm-hmm. year or two. Um, so I just, I think it's a lot of fun to be able to like write and like connect with people that way. Cause they can respond, you know, to your email, which is good and bad. Yeah. I get like some people that are mm-hmm. like, you use the wrong form of this word. And I was like, oh, geez, thanks. Oh, like, you could have just like ignored it. Like it's feeling your overwhelm around email. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, cases. it's yeah, it's kind of like kind of nuts that I like do a newsletter, even though like, yeah, I'm easily overwhelmed. By email. <laughs> You'll send them out, but you don't right, reply yeah. to anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any experiences that you went through uh, either with freelance or with writing that you kind of learned something the hard way or you were just like, oh boy, well, I now I know moving forward? Um, I would say just like getting information wrong. And that is like probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned to like double check, like research, double check, triple check, because I've had people you know, write emails about like being angry that I got something wrong or like some sort of information wrong. Or I haven't had too many instances where they're like, take my work down. That's, I can think of like two instances and like all the time I've been doing brown paper bag, but I really try to like do my research because I hate getting, you know, wrong information out there. Um, It's like embarrassing to me. So I, but I have done that before. So I try to do as much as I can to make sure I, I'm doing everything right. Um, but I'm human, so it does happen from time to time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I know when I like just one day randomly, I was like, ah, I should probably Google myself and see if I'm out there anywhere. And I came across your blog. I was like, this is the nicest (laughs) thing anyone's ever written about me. I love this. I do try to always look and see, you know, what if I'll try and like Google someone to see if they have like an interview out or something like that. So I can kind of get Mm. a better sense of like, you know, what they're about and like contextualize their work and things like that. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I try to do my research as much as possible for that for that kind of reason. But the times I've been embarrassed by getting something wrong. Well, it, it happens to everybody. Yeah. I know. I know I've done it many times. I try to be nice to myself. Like, that's the one thing I really try to work on is, like, not beating myself up over things. Because I'm trying my mm-hmm. hardest. So, and then we all make mistakes. Yeah. And you can't, you can't be nice to yourself. Yeah. Amen. Um, yeah. Yeah. Preach. <laughs> Do you have anything uh, that you haven't said thus far that you wanted to mention? I would say, yeah, I mean, I think I, the one, like, the big thing about me is, like, I, I really think it's important to sort of, like, hone your own skills, and that was, I think that was, like, going into this, and, like, that's what I kind of want to, like, make clear, is, like, I, you know, I think it's important, especially, and whatever you're doing is to, like, really get to know yourself and know your skills and know what you're good at and kind of, like, use those to your advantage. Yeah, and seriously, thank you so much for being on the show. I have admired your your blog for a couple of years now, and to be able to like sit down and talk with you has been awesome. Oh. And we didn't even talk about Micah, really. Oh. Which we all attended. Um, I think that's good, though. But, you know, it's like nice to sort of like get out of the Micah bubble, you know? Yeah, we're more interested in what happened afterwards anyways. Yeah. Very true. Well, that's it for this episode of the Beyond the Studio podcast. You can find show notes, references, and a brief summary of the episode over at our website, beyondme.studio. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our email list where we have all kinds of exclusive content that we only have available to our subscribers. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. If you're listening to this episode via iTunes, we'd love to ask you to give us a rating and a review because it really makes a big difference. The more reviews we get, the more people we can connect with. And the more we connect, the better we get. And we're trying to get real good here. My cat just (laughs) broke through one barrier. um, And now she's like putting her paws underneath. Clawing at the door.